Should I fire Stone Cold Steve Austin? Not yet. The number one contender for the WWF title. I am Dude Love. And over the edge, Vince McMahon might have stacked the cards against Stone Cold Steve Austin by having a little timekeeper. The esteemed Gerald Briscoe. Uh-oh. A bell ringer. Hall of Famer, Pat Patterson. And himself as a special referee. I don't care if he's Stone Cold or who he is, there's no way he can overcome these odds. But I really don't give a rat's ass about all that. It was one individual and only one individual, me. That person drained the venom from the rattlesnake's poisonous head, me. I assaulted. I assaulted Stone Cold Steve Austin and got away with it. I thank you very much. Wow. Oh, look out. Oh, no. This is a fucking pickup right here. Here comes the rattlesnake. You are the world's dumbest son of a bitch. So, since I was assaulted, I want you to do your job and arrest that piece of trash right now. to the former WWF champion, now unhandcuffed. Now, that's not how you get I ain't going to accept that. I ain't going to accept that. Take no. his ass to jail. How about you going to apologize to me? Take his ass to jail. No, no, no. No, no, no. What? No, no, no. Let me try it again. I apologize. I accept his apology. He's a good kid. How dare you have me arrested? in public like a common criminal and then place conditions upon my release a condition of apology which i did not mean another condition that should someone volunteer to stand guard while i officiate the match at the pay-per-view this sunday to ensure that i call the match fair and square I accept that condition, too, because there isn't one WWF superstar on the roster that can intimidate me. Not one. What's he doing, JR? Holy! The attacker! With a giant hand! Brother on the neck! Oh, oh, no!
Obviously, Mick Foley and Steve Austin had, you know, they always had great chemistry together, whether it was a match like this or like promos or whatever. Yeah. Likely because they, you know, they'd already known each other for a fair amount of time at this point. It's weird as well watching it back because obviously Mick Foley's like heel heel in this one, but not just like Cactus Jack heel where. He's a heel, but he's doing all these crazy, wild stunts and everything, and so people still cheat, still cheer him. Yeah. Uh, and we're obviously how beloved Mick Foley is as a man, and it's dude love as a heel of all characters. Uh, but it works. I mean, you say it's like your favourite Stone Cold match. Uh, it's definitely up there, and it's up there with Foley's in the WWF as well. I mean. The, off the top of my head, the only Foley matches in WWF I would put ahead of it are the uh, obviously the street fight with Triple H at the yeah. 2000 Rumble, which is like one of his best matches, and the uh, the main games match with Shawn Michaels from '96, I think it was. Yeah, uh, which is just like out of this world. So yeah, it's, it's a standout match for both men, I think. And it's very, it's like very attitude era as well because everything's going on in it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, just I'm interested with the mind games match. Did Foley win that one? Uh, we ended it in uh, I think a DQ or a count out. Uh, it was so to be that good and end in a, like you know like a for you know, like a non finish. It was. Yeah, it was by uh, Sean Michael. Yes, Sean Michael was won by DQ because of interference. Yeah. Uh, uh, by uh, Vader. Uh, so yeah, like, and then like I think like Sid and the Undertaker got involved as well. Yeah. So like, so again, even though that was like pre-attitude era, it's still like quite an attitude era finish. But uh, yeah, like. For a match on a pay per view to end by disqualification and still be that good is like to me like a a statement of how good it is. <laughs> yeah, I think so definitely. Um, yeah, I think 
Yeah, I won't watch it. One thing like, because um, I think one thing I find weird about Foley is that all the famous matches, like you can include like Hell in a Cell, um, there's that one we're going to take, uh, which happens a month after this match. Mm. Um, also, like his match with Edge at WrestleMania 22. Those mm. two matches that are great, but he ends up losing. And I think it's only wrestling now that had like all these famous matches, but he lost every, but he lost in them. It's, it's mm. quite different. It was kind of the same with Bret Hart to an extent, maybe not quite to the same extent. Yeah. But like, I mean, the two of the matches that I think most people think of with Bret, like if you ask them to name like classic Bret Hart matches, two of the first ones they'll probably name are like obviously his match with Owen at WrestleMania 10. Yeah. And the uh, the SummerSlam 92 match for British Bulldog. Yeah. And he loses both of them as well. <laughs> so like, uh, but you know, Brett. Like, I mean, Brett's another one like from that era that, you know, like, I that's, that's a whole another podcast in and all of itself. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Love me some Brett Hart. Day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Except for we've talked about the Montreal screw job and all that. So. Mm. As we go in the timeline, it's the day after Unforgiven. Obviously, um, uh, it's probably like uh, so. The day after that war, like Foley comes out, this Jack, he comes out, uh, calls out this man, and this is like going, look, you know, uh, I saw a faith in you, you're number one contender, and there's a bit where um, like Topo comes out, fucks up the love shack, and then in the main event. Foley beat Perry Funk with Pat Pan's referee. And at the end of that, Stone Cold comes down as Stone Patterson. Um, the next week, Vince Clark announces that Stone Cold must compete in a tag team match and have Dude Lovers in the ball contender. So, good for Dude Love. Um, and the funny bit is like, um, Dude Love comes out what Vince wants a Stone Cold to come out as. So he comes out with a suit and tie, his hair's all tied back. <laughs> it did crack me up that all image. All the team. It was brilliant because it's. I don't know why you can't. It's just worth with Foley because once again, I think we both love Mick Foley, but to be blunt, he does sometimes look like he just came off the stage. Yeah. So, I mean, um, he's, he's often said that himself. He hardly looks like your archetypal, you know, like top name wrestler kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just find it hilarious. So, uh, so this is when I've been announced like who's going to be involved in the so he announces that uh, Joe Briscoe will be the mm-hmm. uh, Pat Panzer will be the ring announcer, and there's this bit where it's like, oh, best guest referee. Best guest referee. So he comes, he goes up the ramp, and then after the password announces that best guest referee is this. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen this for the first time, you're thinking, yes, don't call Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, and. Uh, the main event that match is the walking deal of Brown versus Stone Cold and his mystery partner. Um, spoiler alert, it technically doesn't get one. Uh, so, Austin basically wrestles a handicap match, but uh, almost uh, wins it. Um, so, my mistake, Mr. Todd tells me this man who does not get involved. Mm. Um, but at the end of it, Vince Patton and Briscoe attack, and there's quite a lot of wars during this time where it just ends in a cluster. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so this is one of those times. Um, on the 18th, Vince bars Stone Cold from his bunk for his own protection. 
Uh, Stone Cold doesn't take that well, and there's a bit where he like challenges one security guard, and if he was going to let me in, but we can fuck out of you. And he proceeds to do that. Falls away to the wing, he faces Patton Briscoe uh, in a street fight, and then after that, he gets arrested for beating up the guard, but then gives probably the shittiest apology ever, and then gets his revet as a rest of the in the street fight, uh, Sporters, the referee, uh, he stuns pretty much everyone, <laughs> uh, takes out the look when he runs in, um, and there's a bit where like Vince is disguised as a child, we don't know mm-hmm. that. So he's like, so, so he taps with a chair and Stone Cold plays out. Uh, and then literally the war, like the go home war before the show, uh, Vince passes and just go, cops come out and boast about like what happened. And um, Vince also says, and keep this in mind, by my hand and my hand alone as a guest referee, I will have the privilege of helping one. Mm. Um, so at that Foreshadowing. Point, Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Stone Cold comes out, he gets the cops to arrest and he gets the cops to arrest Vince because that's something last week. Whereas he's saying, well, technically he's in the crowd, he's technically a fan, so. so. Uh, and the West Padden Briscoe for justice. And it's funny because the, it kind of like suggesting the cops like, should we arrest him for that? And so the cops are, yeah, that's cool. And they'll do that. And then in reversal, Ben uh, Hodges Stone Cold. So like a reversal of the week. So then Vince later on gives that one of the decisions at least that Stone Cold could have someone in his corner to ensure that Vince calls him like mm. I think with that, Stone Cold has pissed off everyone. So, I think that might be a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, and also, he books Stone Cold to face them taking Vince to the referee. Um, Undertaker doesn't take that well. So, um, because it doesn't take place, he can just choke fans and Vince and got the two stone in, but Kane runs in and they fight. Once again, end of the first block. Um, so, we get to the match itself at OBS uh, beforehand Dot Hendricks who most people know as Michael Pace uh, interviews Vince and Vince has said he's going to be impartial unbiased yeah N- nobody's <laughs> believing that yeah <laughs> I know yeah it's just, it's just, it's just sounds so sincere even though everything is that the crock is shit um, oh, and he said he was, I was going to say also in the like elsewhere on this pay-per-view Notable for being one of the few pay-per-view appearances as members of Kai and Tai for both Dick Togo and Men's Tale. Yes, because they're, the, they're in the middle of their feud with Valpies. The matches, I'm looking at it and I can't remember the context for it, but it's uh, Ka- yeah. Team Kai and Tai, which is Dick Togo, Men's Tale and Fanaki against uh, Justin Bradshaw and Takamichi Noku. Oh yes, I remember because I remember I remember I have, I did watch on preview, I remember that like, they ended up together and like Bradshaw's like like driving with packing the shoes like an open top car and giving some guards and weird shit like that. It's just, to me it's, it's I mean I'm not obviously not seeing how it goes, but to me it's it's just every time I do like the whole like you know, mismatch couple thing that has worked. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think it's working with that it's like I think the best example recently is obviously like Daniel Bryan mm. and Kane. They shouldn't, but it just works so well. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the tag I mentioned, Oku, was, uh, like, fantastic there. Like, one, the main one I always remember of his is, I think it was his debut with the company, uh, uh, Canadian Stampede. Uh, I can't remember if it was his full, full debut or not. Certainly pay-per-view debut uh, against yeah. uh, Great Satsuki. And it's so good. Because, and it's one of those matches you know it's good because, you know, when it starts, the crowd's pretty quiet, mainly because none of the crowd know who either of these people are. Yeah. And by the end of it, the whole crowd's just, like, losing their shit because... The pair of them knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so also with the interview, he also says about this fight at all hands. His own hand back this match what's getting foreshadowed. Um, and the next few minutes is hilarious to me because then the thing announces Pat Pound who's going crazy. Pairs uh, Pat Pound like Wayne Drasky, Cody <laughs> Howe, and Anne Murray. Um, Obviously, I, I know I saw this, so I knew of Wayne Dressing Goldie Howe. I didn't know who Anne Marie was. She's currently a famous thing to say that. Um, and Patterson goes on to announce Joe Briscoe and this match is like drawing grades. Um, he says, um, highlights of it including saying that Briscoe is the reincarnation of this war. Not really. That is the thing as well. And it's not just Attitude Era, but like, You'll get these like lines like that thrown out in commentary or whatever, like yeah. referencing yeah. you know, uh, like, and you mentioned like Gordy Howe and uh, Wayne Gretzky who are like, I mean obviously like I know them, like Wayne Gretzky's like one of those guys yeah. like even if you don't follow up you know who he is, like every, every sport has yeah. those you know maybe one or two people that like even if you don't follow the sport you know who they are like you know like Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, yeah. you know people like that, yeah. Pele. Um, but like, yeah, that that was not a name I'm familiar with. And that's a thing that still continues on, like they'll on like yeah, WWE or even Dynamite, they'll show like famous sports figure in the crowd, and I'm just like, I don't know who that is. Like a lot of them are obviously yeah. very US centric, uh, so you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with Jim Pop, he he was the first Native American. Oh, okay. So um, that's because um, apparently Bristol's got some some Native American heritage. Didn't know that. Now, um, and also Papa's like club. Cause they've gone through this phase of like Bristol like using every opportunity to support this business. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, because yeah. I think I think he's written the one the card at the stage as well. Uh, so, Papa's not the participants. Obviously, huge love for Grand Prix. I still told the producer saying he's not good at interviews. <laughs> so, this um, one. Now, um, what I love this match, uh, I think the one criticism I do have is the pre-match video, um, because it does mention, like, you need to have someone. And then at the end of it, it shows Undertaker, Joe, Patrick, mm. Vince. So, when I watched the video the first time, I was like, oh, right, it must be Undertaker. And then, like, when Stockholm comes up, they go, oh, he's got no one of my. No, he has Undertaker because yeah. it's in the video. So, uh, so it, was, it was a bit weird. So, so it kind of blew my mind a little bit. I think it's, it's not probably a mistake on their part, but it's one of those things where like, you, it's a bit weird when there's false child or something. So you think, okay, it's that guy. And then they go, no, it's not. And you're like, no, yeah, yeah, it's definitely him. Um, but anyway, Undertaker does come up. Um, I 
I think it's not to support Stone Cold. I think I think he's been that being like slag. I think Vince so says him like, oh, he's the toughest person around or whatever. Or something. Undertaker took offence to that. And that's yeah. Why he's out. So, um, so no, like the enemy of the enemy is my enemy is. Right. Yeah. yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like I think I think well, I think Stone Cold, Stone Cold, I think I've had. But it's like a yeah, I was going to say, it like, wasn't that long after that. Yet, uh, I remember it was the first, yeah. fi- like, because I've mentioned before that, like, I was more of a Nitro guy because of the channels I had and stuff. And like, uh, when I f- started watching WWF again in that period, it was like you know, like the B shows uh, that would have like highlights of Raw or whatever. And I think it was the night after the Triple Threat with Austin. Undertaker and Kane, where they had the double pin finish. Uh, so I, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that wasn't how long after this match. And <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I think it's, uh, I know double headed timelines, you know, the King Wing match, and uh, I think of the pay after that when the double pin. Uh, but I said, I've not had a chance to personally get through that yet. Uh, so yeah, so the match starts, uh, goes to the corner, and Vince is just Stone Cold gives Vince a ninja. Yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, look at the first tip at the shoulder block. It gets a two. Argue bitches that it does a fast count. To be fair, it wasn't. It was quite a fast. I think it's quite a normal count, but obviously Stone Cold is obviously a bit paranoid because of who is surrounded the wing. Um, Doodle gets a couple of more quick uh, pin attempts. Uh, Doodle gets knocked down, and I didn't wait until. Stop, stop and it, but Foley was wearing like the the, the mm, teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they got knocked out. And Austin in do you want to think? I love Austin a bit, but they are, even though he's the biggest face in the company, the odd times like oh, <laughs> <dick."> <laughs> so, uh, so in a dick move, he stamps on them and falls into the uh, Doodle gets Austin in the corner, but he gets hit with a new fresh press and pulls that out of the ring. And uh, they go back into the ring. Doodle hits a wooden leg sweep and then spots in the corner and them. Um, Doodle's just, it's starting to dominate now and get, get the momentum, but Austin responds with a net breaker for the back of the clotheslines. Um, but Doodle managed to get to the applied demand of the core, and Gosson tries to send him out the wing, but uh, Doodle does this thing where he gets his net trapped in the mm. two ropes, which I hate seeing. I mean, that was how he lost uh, the ear, so. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. That's how he lost his ear. Aye. So it's going mind like you lost your ear. Why are you I, 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 I mean, I remember reading, and like like most wrestling fans of that year, I've read Mick Foley's uh, first book, and he said, I remember him saying that like the, the main problem was like the ropes. At that match, I believe it was a house show in Germany, and the, the basically the problem was those ropes were wound way, way, way too tight. And that was what caused it, not the, well, obviously the spot itself helped, but <laughs> like, uh, like if they had been wound properly, it wouldn't have been a problem, but they were way overwound and that's what did it. But still, like, if um, if a spot in a wrestling match cost me my ear, I don't think I'd be doing it again. No, I don't think so either. And, and I think what surprised me was, I remember in the book, I think he could never he never had time mm. to get a flip. Uh, because I think W is a W to do it time and skip like booking 
certified or lead. But it's like, so it can't for scoring, I'll take up my money. So, um, so yeah, so um, after that, do uh, my two scaling double time. And if you, I, I don't know if you noticed Undertaker doing the whole match, but he's not looking at the match, he's mm-hmm. looking at Vince. Like the whole time he didn't. So he's like, well, you, like, you're the one, you know, it seems to be like, obviously, no, he's the one who's kind of like doing fuck him over, so he's like looking at his actions. Um, and then dude sent Austin flying over the Spanish mouse table. Um, Pat Patterson then goes, oh, by the way, uh, F- this is a notice on the match. And Jim Ross does not read that one. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's not. Because uh, like, there was since uh, when. I mean, this, uh, it's, I guess this match, uh, I mean, it's what, I guess what you would call nowadays overbooked. But, it works for it. Like yes. uh, it's them, obviously stacking the odds against Stone Cold, and you know, like oh, when it looks like this might happen. Oh, and by the way, let's just throw in this real here. So that 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 will shaft them, and like they all play like perfectly. I think, like as you said, it's your favourite Stone Cold match, and. It's funny because, as I said, like it would it would get called overbooked nowadays, and would, like yeah. there'd probably be a lot of shitting on it on you know the internet and whatever, and you know like fair enough, people are entitled to their opinions, but th- I think this is one of the situations where that kind of booking really worked. Uh, I mean, the whole problem arises like when. You overdo it, like, like, or when it's involving like a or, or if it's involving a character who isn't as over as someone. Let's be honest, if you are, uh, yeah. like, you know, you look like because the same. I mean, they did the same kind of booking when Triple H was champion a few years later. Uh, well, say like maybe about two thousand two, two thousand three, and like. Yeah. That's not exactly fondly remembered, or like uh, Jeff Jarrett, that his infamous like early TNA title run, like had again had the same kind of booking, albeit it was less about shafting the good guy that everyone wanted to see win in the form of Stone Cold, and more about him being like the, I guess like the big overbearing, like ruling everything heel. Same with like yeah. Triple H. Example, so uh, maybe that's the difference. I don't know. I I, I usually don't think that yeah, deeply about no. these kind of things, but uh, I do find it weird that like on one like, but then yeah, like this is a, I guess as I said, this is an example where clearly they got it right because it's a fondly remembered match by myself, by yourself, and by yeah. any other people as well. Yeah, I mean. I mean I think one thing that persuaded because I first knew a bit from mm-hmm. the book, and the impression that Foley gave in the book is that he did something that would have gone disqualified, and that when that was what Patterson said, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 it's actually not disqualification, don't worry about it. So it, was, it kind of threw me off a little bit when I watched it for the first time, where it kind of just, Patterson just mentioned yeah. it just out the blue. 
and uh, then do enough goals. Oh shit, okay. So, because uh, literally, as soon as he says that, he grabs, because the cable is <laughs> fucking everywhere, uh, grabs a cable and starts Austin with it. Um, dude, uh, so Austin gets out of it by literally chucking Dude, uh, dude Love into Briscoe and Corner, so he annihilates Briscoe. And then he calls by Dude Love into the town. And they go back to the outside the wing. Like, I love, like, and. and I'm sure we've spoken about it before, but and again, this match is a great example of it. Like, obviously, the whole thing we yeah. do love because, uh, like, Mick Foley at this point in his career was starting to get to that stage where just the fans loved and respected him. Uh, but yes. it's a great example because everyone knows Mick Foley is like the crazy guy, the guy that you know that flew off the cell that had all the death matches and whatever else but it's an example of how good he was as a like a kind of like a slimy conniving heel as well i mean less conniving because in this case he was kind of like for lack of a better way of putting it, a useful idiot for like vince and the because there it's the whole thing of the, like them using his desire to like live out his dream as dude love against Austin. But I mean you look at you can look at like some of uh Foley's run in ECW for that as well. Uh where he was playing off the I want to go back to WCW kind of thing and coming out with like the T shirt with Eric Bischoff on it and stuff. Or like cutting the anti hardcore promos and stuff which were which still hold up to I've never oh, seen that. They still hold that. up today. They're, and like being quite facetious about it at times as well. Like there's one uh, it's actually an ec- one of the extras on the Rise and Fall of ECW debut at uh, D- DVD where you know those uh the ECW promos you would get where it would like be playing like the pulp fiction music and it would like cut from like bit to bit from each wrestler and there's these bits with Mick Foley where he's like, he's still a heel, but he's trying to convince the fans he's still like one of the one of the cool guys kind of thing. And he's like, yeah. Uh, and it's like he's playing it like he's talking to someone off camera, and he's like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. Let's see, I'm I'm just going to put this pencil behind my ear and like picks the ear that isn't there. And it just kind of drops. So he's like, oh, I can't put a pencil behind my ear because I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. And then, like, cuts back to him later. And he's like, oh, you like to floss your teeth? I can do it with this microphone cable because I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. Oh, God, I, I, I might look up to some of that. I think they've got some of the old ECW on network. Yeah, I, I think it's from about, like, it must be about ninety-five, uh, like yeah. as, but and again, it's one of those parallels because Austin took the same route. They both went WCW, brief run in ECW, and then to WWF, and like Austin was the same. You know, like did really good in uh, WCW. Completely different character to Stone Cold, obviously, but he was, he was so good at yeah. stunning Steve as well. Then went to. ECW, and you started to see some of the, like I guess, like the seeds of what would eventually become Stone Cold, 
in his character there. Yeah. Then went to WWF and like they both hit new heights doing so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, was just, I think it was just boring because like, also, also doing mm. ringmaster Dan Dabbley and his leg quickly. Yeah, I was going back to the match. Um, they go back to the outside of the ring. Charles also some clothesline. They go back in. Do descend. Um, also back out the ring. Do you hit the swing of net Baker? And then Pat Burns goes. Oh, by the way, it's four o'clock <laughs> anywhere. Jr. Goes, hey, it's, it's, it's reaction is fucking hilarious. He's just he could go like since where what the fuck? And obviously King's like, why why are you losing your shit? Is always going like this? Um, so obviously dude's like, oh okay. So uh, he does a couple of attempts in the walkway, but also like he knows dude that fuck down when he goes by. Um, and and then the fight goes to the start because of the entrance, and you get. One thing I love about it, you get to see Vince get more and more mm. frustrated as the match goes on. Because, like, cause after a few counts, like, fuck's sake! And then there's a really funny bit you've got Briscoe literally standing with the bell above his head, like, ready to win the bell, like, instead of the three count. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Um, they're fighting the top of the cars, uh, also go for the stunner before Dude uh, sends him flying to the floor. Um, it's not in. It's not really a high distance because it's two like crush cars. So it's probably about eight, maybe nine feet of that. But it's still onto. You have to like a, a no god, yeah. Still there. Yeah. Um, obviously, spoiler. We're we'll talking about that level. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, but dude hit a subset off the car for two, and then hits Austin with the pipe. Austin's now busted open, and he starts to fight back, but then hit with a backdrop. Um, dude goes for an elbow off the car, but Austin will walk away again. That will still hurt. Um, and then eventually the bike goes back outside the ring, and then inside the ring. Um, this is when Palace and Briscoe start to cheat him. <laughs> Just a touch. Uh, so, <laughs> as, if, as if the la- yeah, last 15 minutes wasn't enough of a clue for you, like. Um, anyway, so there's a bit where Patterson trips Austin, and they give Dude Love a chance to hit a clothesline and then focus on the board and hit a few times. Um, Dude then supposed to turn buckle and uh, sends Austin into it and sends some head. Um, Austin stops to fight back but gets his head set again into the turn board, but that only gets two. And this is like, <laughs> for fuck's sake! Um, so. Pat Patterson goes, fuck it, I'm going to blatantly cheat. He literally, listen, dude doesn't ask for a chair. Pat Patterson goes, there you go. Uh, JR's like, what the fuck? Um, but, and he attacks Austin with the chair. Uh, and then hits a double arm DDT on the chair, but that only again gets two. And what's important, what's what I in mind, and probably overbooked, but it's done well. I do feel like, I don't know. If Austin, because you think about Austin, like he's had his head too much caved in you would have think a double on or double on didn't peel to a chair would probably end it. I think if it happened early in the match, you probably double so you might get away with it, but not after the blood and being hit in the turnbuckle. It's one of those things yeah. like kicking out of that where if Kenny Omega did it, you know Jim Cornette would be fucking raging. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. I mean, I think that's. Um, yeah, that's one thing that I, that to me was the YouTube is basically AEW that mm-hmm. do a lot of post finishes. 
And um, I think there was one match where one of the matches, one of the first ones I saw was Young Bucks against Private Party. And this is the first time mm. I've seen both teams. Because um, I knew of the Young Bucks, I've heard of them, but I never heard of Private Party. And there's a bit, because it's definition moving now, but literally one of the Private Party would kind of do a hook on it off the top of the road. And it sent Matt Jackson in the air, and the other guy hit him with a like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I was like, I've been to call it Gin and Juice, and I was like, that's the finish, and it wasn't. I'm like, what? I mean, I mean so, you want more uh, stuff like that. I mean, uh, before we went live, you were talking about All Out, which no doubt we'll talk a wee bit about later. Uh, the yeah. <laughs> like for India finishes the fucking Bucks uh, Lucha Brothers match. Oh, all over the place with them. Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so we get to, so with the plane is leaving. Uh, Austin uh, managed to get the chair and covers and night wipes out through enough of it. It goes both ways. Um, does the cover and Vince is like, yeah, I'm not going to count that. He just stands there, does not do shit. Um, but Austin's like, what the fuck? And starts Austin arguing with Vince, and then this gives you the opportunity to tap with the chair. Slight problem, Austin moves and white and Vince gets hit with mm-hmm. the chair, so he's out. Um, Austin hits a stunner and covers. Uh, the referee, Mike Kyoto, slides in, but Pazin pulls him out and punches him. That rascal! Um, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, Dude Love hits, uh, plays the man with a claw, and Pazin goes into the count. And this is. And the thing, the thing that blows my mind after about what, 20? Until the match is what, 20, 25 minutes? After like 90% of the match, Undertaker has done nothing. He has watched the match, what's subtle to blatant cheating happening, and now he decides to act. And so he pulls, Pat it out, chokes out him through the English announce table. Um, but we obviously got to give the Spanish table some love. So, uh, Briscoe tries to slide in and take it, pulls him out and chokes him through the Spanish Mouse table. Uh, dude goes running around the claw, but Austin hits a low block and stunner. Uh, slight problem, there's no referees. Uh, so, Vince, uh, so Austin grabs Vince, who's still knocked the fuck out, by the way, um, to him and using his own hand. Foreshadowing! Him, gets the win. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And it's just like, and it's, it's just. So, but it was just—it was just so. I said, "Well, it's one of the matches that you know." It, it, I said, "But it looks like a book, but it just—it's one of the matches that it just looks. Mm. It works perfectly, and very rarely get get matches that will tell a good story and all that stuff. Because some matches probably aren't great wrestling, but I enjoy mm. the story of it. Um, I think I think the best example for me is have you ever seen Shaman Man versus Test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes like nine. Yeah, probably the match technically isn't great, but I love yeah, the yeah. story behind it and the way to tell where to tell the story and like uh, they obviously again the mean street posse involved and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, but it's just, it just worked for me. I think it's because it was shortly I before that the mean street posse debuted, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they kind of uh, Mitchell Posse debuted right about right. Oh yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, I, I, I for the match with Xbox. Sure. I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. I remember correctly. Um, two of them were actually Shane's friends. Yeah, Joey Abs like, was like the so the one wrestler of the yeah. group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, I remember 
I remember reading Foley's book about it because obviously Lord West was like, what the fuck is this? That <laughs> thing. And uh, but obviously Foley's obviously a bit more amenable. And I think they were like, I think the telephones that I'll cover, I think they mm. knew of it. So they're trying to say, oh, we take all these like insane forms when we get those spares and trying to get mm. to help out with that and things like that. Um, but so far, it's with this match, it's, it's just everything worked out worked perfectly. It's one of the matches I will go on my way to watch again. It was hard, you know, it's hard my watch that match again. Because uh, I think there's only that and maybe like three or four others that. I'm like, no, my dog will wait to definitely watch. Uh, so I, I really enjoy it. I mean, uh, it's no secret that, like, I've kind of soured on WWE years of late, but it's one of the ones, as you said, you can go back and watch it again. It's, it's just a fun match. And yeah. it's, you know, like Austin, at pretty much the height of his popularity, it's Mick Foley, as we said, you know, doing a great job as the sort of like cheating shite bag heel, which isn't what he was known for, but uh, whenever he has to do it, he does a fantastic job of it. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a good fun match. And uh, as we said, you know, like overbooking was the, the, the order of the day back then, but uh, it's one of the times that it just really, uh, for me at least, paid dividends. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, it was. It's just a fun match. Okay. Um, so we go to the night after. Um, pretty much, um, the beginning of War is fucking hilarious because the show like a video like described oh. in the main event with Vince narrating it. So it's Vince you right. on it. So he's like going, oh, um, he's like, oh, I got attacked and um, like, do look fucked up and all that stuff. And Austin cheated and not happy. Like, he's like, because it blew my mind to begin with. Because when I saw this, I was like, that Vince's voice, that is Vince, right? I was like, why is he? Because it sounded like quite neutral to begin with. And then obviously, had the video came on, so it'd be more and more like <laughs> biased um, against Austin. Um, and beginning of the match, and also at the beginning of the show, he got. Uh, Mick Foley's sitting there, and he's like going, look, I, no, he, he basically goes ask it, but not so, he calls out Vince, and he goes, look, you know, I want to take time off, um, but I'm going to, um, I'll be back on Tuesday. Vince was like, yeah, no, I, I don't want that. So he, he effectively fires him, and there's a bit where, uh, Austin, like, sits down dejected, and Jude Love music comes on, and he goes, Vince, like, dancing around, Jude Love, like, taunting him. Um, so this is the end of the dude look character, and we get to see mankind the following week. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, I think I have the free gimmick that Foley has done. Paul technically, because he has wrestling mm. gimmick for himself. Um, dude look probably didn't get much time, but I don't, I think it's one of the things because. I think out of the three, Mankind's probably the most remembered oh, yeah. of WWF totally. because of the achievements he did and all that stuff. But you got to remember, dude love this. I mean, what I like about it is that he, to Mick Foley's like, great wrestling worldwide, but he's not the stereotypical wrestling lockdown wrestling hats. So it's, it's quite, it's quite weird seeing him like, as this like, guy with the ladies and he's looking at you like, I, yeah. I think it always, um, 
remember is on one of the videos, uh, I think it was the Three Faces of Foley one. And I, I can't remember who it was, but it was like some like actual TV personality was one of the talking heads on it, or like a TV yeah. reviewer or something like that. It wasn't someone I can remember offhand who it was, but it was what he said that stuck with me. Like, and it was that one of the things that always came through, especially as you know, like sort of later mankind, and with Dude Love character, is that like I mean, we know Mick Foley's like a funny man, but like how glib his sense of humour is, and he yeah. It really works, and it's funny because it's that's not a kind of humour you would normally associate with wrestling, uh, or at least not at that time. I mean, there's other wrestlers that have taken that kind of humour and gone on with it since then. But yeah, like I like it, love. <laughs> yeah, I, I do as well. It was a certain point it was a bit wasting on heel, but again, mm. it just seemed to work. Uh, and um, I think one thing that doesn't is that Kane beats Undertaker to become the next number one contender, and that's I feel like that's probably a bit too soon. For that was the uh, the first blood match, right? Yeah, so that's the match, next match we're going to talk about. That, but like literally the day after Overdue Eddie when Kane becomes the number one contender. Um, I don't know if you watched that match yet, but that the end of that match is. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've seen um, most of these matches yeah. before, but I need, do need to refresh my memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it, it's quite good, and um, but then it just goes off the rails for me in the back of the universe, and I was like, what's going on? Um, so, um, yeah, so obviously, we don't talk the present day, um. I know we're talking about uh, AEW, I'm a bit behind it, but I we've got to talk about our Scottish ladies in WWE. Well, uh, talk about what with WWE, sorry? Uh, our Scottish ladies, so you got Happy mm-hmm. uh, Niven and Nikki Cross. Um, so Nikki Cross has taken a superhero. Yeah, and it's game. completely her idea as well, apparently. Uh, it's, it's funny because, like, okay. I remember the night it happened. And everyone twitters like, what the fuck? And like, me and my partner both looked at it. And anyone who, like, who has ever, like, either met Nikki or seen Nikki on the independence, you know, when you've got that extra level of crowd interaction because it's a smaller environment and stuff, uh, who kind of knows her humour and stuff, Every one of them would have looked at that and went, yeah, that was Nikki's idea. <laughs> like, uh, it's oh, okay. got her written all over it. it. She's got, I think she's got the right personality for it. Uh, yeah, that's the like, like that. She's very, always been very good at being kind of, how to put it? Like, being over the top without seeming like they're trying to be over the top. Uh, it was the same on the Independence when she was a heel and giving it, you know, like the best in the galaxy and like almost like panto-esque like mannerisms and stuff. Uh, so yeah, and the fact that she's, you know, like 
you know, Money in the Bank, Women's Championship, and now uh, one half of the Women's Tag Team Champions. Clearly, someone up there likes her. So, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's um, simple. I mean, I I've seen a little bit on uh, in ICW. Uh, we were talking about when I think her last um, story that she did before she was oh. to she kind of uh, uh, one of a like someone has like a prodigy yeah with uh, Sammy Jane uh, yeah um, and then obviously uh, when she debuted in WWE it was on the 70 when she was such a special person and you were telling me at the time like oh no she's a good talker I'm like mm. I'm not seeing that um, but and I think there was a bit where she was the no, she was like one of the more contenders for it was when Asuka was NXT mm. Women's Champion. And this interview bit where I think it's Iconics and Nikki Cross again and, and Asuka in the ball. Uh so Iconics did their shit. And you've got Nikki Cross sit, sitting in a chair and like this is trying to like, you know, interview her. And she's just like fucking around, she's like playing with like the uh, the boom mic, she's like just and like two everyone comes coming to try to do a microphone a microphone on she's like oh, <laughs> I said, play with that. And then this, she's like kind of looking like out of, out of, like completely out of it. And then she just goes, Where's Asuka? And then, and then literally she stands up and just does this brilliant promo. I'm just like, <laughs> Where did that come from? But it's important. I'm not, I'm not really like seeing that before because she never, that was like, the, mm. she never like talked that much. She was just look like she's fair, fuck people up. And then she, David Sanity, that didn't work out, but she stayed on. And she was friends with Alexa Bliss for a bit. And that's really mm. how they talk a lot. Yeah, like, the, uh, way, the way her character was there was a lot, not completely there, but a lot closer to like what her character was like on the independence. Uh, okay. Like that kind of like over the top, vainglorious kind of thing, uh, which she's so, so good at. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, like the fact is. Yeah. Like, as I said, don't watch WWE uh, pretty much these days, but I'm very, very happy for her. Like, she's she deserves yeah, every so bit of success that comes her way. And the same goes for uh, yeah. my girl Viper, who's now on Raw. Yeah. Well, yes, I don't like a game with her at the minute. I don't, <laughs> I no way that's her idea. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't even see, literally, it's because um, because I've been so behind the work I me, mean, I'm literally not I, I'm not watching any because normally I only watch like NFC NFC UK two or five like I watch that since the beginning mm. and uh, the pay per views. But the last pe- last thing I watched was the Royal Rumble. But I've been keeping up like on Facebook about what so no roughly what's happening. And when I saw Paper New debut has like this fan girl of Even Marie and. Even Marie can like lick Kevin Evans' boots, uh, like because I think even me is like the personification of mm. what we used to have with wrestling. With wrestling like 10, 15 years ago, um, and then the change of name was Duo Drop and all the stuff. And the thing that blew my mind is like Tori Graves like going, "Oh, she's new," and, and I'm like, "She's she's been here for years. She's using the <laughs> main young closet that I think you commented on. What the fuck are you talking about?" Uh, so, but thankfully they've kind of, to my knowledge, they've sort of heard Amory a book, 
book not to have rivalry. I was just, when I heard it, I was like, wow, why? She is. Really uh, like, the, the positive out of all of it, I guess, I'll come away with. Because as I said, I've not been watching. But, uh, like, yeah. I know her well enough to know she'll throw everything she has into the character. Uh, like, because uh, that's just how she is. Uh, like, I've seen her, like, like, She's so good at little things, like things to make a character work that maybe not many people would think of. But and here's an example. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine had a spare ticket to a Walk Culture wrestling show. So went along, and one of the matches was Viper against Session Moth Martino. Uh, I'll assume that uh, anyone was, if you're not familiar with the session of Martina, uh, basically the character is drunk white girl on a night out. <laughs> uh, like, okay. uh, Irish wrestler, actually signed with Ring of Honor now. Um, but uh, the weird thing about it was, because like, like, Martina's obviously always like a crowd favourite no matter where she goes. So Viper was the heel in the match, even though it's in Scotland. And, yeah. you know, like she's like super popular up here, even before, you know, going to WWF or anything. So she's healing it up. And one of Martina's spots is that she'll do a Bronco Buster, but get a bit carried away with it. And like most, you know, heel reactions would be like, oh, like roll out the ring, like, you know, swat in their face or whatever. Viper rolls out the ring and actually sprayed Febreze into her own face. And, you know, like I was howling with laughter. But as I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for her because like, and I mean, you know this, like, uh, Viper over the years is someone I've kind of gotten to know, and uh, she like beyond her talent uh, as a wrestler, she's just like an absolute sweetheart of a human being as well. And I'm just really, real like as you know, like last year when I did the the charity stream for the Beatson, uh, she agreed to come in and help out at, at like a moment's notice. Uh, that's the kind of person she is and I mean hell the first night I met her was after a fierce female show in Glasgow and it was at the garage uh, nightclub in Glasgow City Centre and afterwards in the downstairs bit they had like kind of like a nightclub kind of bit and a lot of the girls that were there like you know like Kaylee Ray the Owens twins and stuff uh, you know like got all kind of like dressed up and they're up dancing and stuff I bump into Viper at the bar and she's just like there with a pint and a Deftones t-shirt. Like, but yeah, like, and like the good thing is as well, like success and fame hasn't changed her. She's still like the, you know, like the sweet girl from Ayrshire. She always was. She's a lovely human being. And if she's getting success, I, I couldn't be happier with it because there's a few out there that deserve it more. 
yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's one of the weird things because, like, I'm obviously, um, obviously, a feel like me, it just got his. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, so I'm, I'm really happy with it. Just, I think, I think it wasn't the way I thought it would go with them, especially with Piper Niven, and I'm just like, so I think that kind of threw me off a bit. But I said for Marcus, that's like really probably even got back then, yeah, because we'll eventually start to catch up with the rest of WWE and see how that goes and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I'll say with them, I know Doom Marcus is still doing well, I know he's not the type of picture at the minute, but he's still doing well. Um, Fortunately, there's not really any Scottish involved with AEW, but I really enjoy this watching that. Um, so, several we know we had All Out recently. Um, I know there was also nice to watch that. AEW have been knocking it out of the uh, park recently. Like, I mean, obviously the signing of CM Punk is uh, enormous because that's yes. There's you know there like there's very few guarantees in wrestling. Like when it comes to you know like oh this person's not going to come back, that person's not going to come back, and like gradually we get proven wrong about them all. You know like. People like Bret Hart or the Ultimate Warrior going back to WWE, uh, whereas like everyone, I think, thought Punk was done. Like I remember even like you know being online watching like uh, Rampage because they basically all but said, "Oh, CM Punk's going to be there," without actually saying CM Punk's going to yeah. be there. And I remember watching it, and even as the show started and the crowd are trying to see M Punk, see M Punk. I'm still seeing like friends on Twitter like, yeah, I'm not believing it until he comes out. <laughs> and like <laughs> like and then sure enough like cult personality starts and punk comes out and like it's very seldom you see that level of just I guess joy in wrestling. Uh, because it's one of those moments where, you know, I mean, they promised it without promising it because they didn't explicitly say CM Punk's going to be there, but they all but said it. Yeah. And it's one of those moments where, you know, you tell the fans something's going to happen and you just give it to them. And it worked so, so well. And then to go from that, you know, obviously you had the match all out and to also debut that night you know, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, like, holy, like, because yeah. you look at those three guys, and hell, you can even throw, like, Alistair Black, or sorry, uh, Malachi Black in there as well, like, yeah. you've got, like, you know, Adam Cole, who's, for the last couple of years, has been, like, the guy in NXT, and a guy that they've they had clearly tipped for like bigger things and they just let them slip through their fingers. Uh, you've got, you know, Brian Danielson, one of the top stars in wrestling of the last decade, uh, you know, like multiple main event, WrestleMania, including this year. And he went and like CM Punk, who uh, probably most people thought would never wrestle again. And they've got him like, that's if that's not a statement of intent, I don't know what is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think as a thought, I mean, at the minute, I only watch Damien for that's on ITV. Um, those people who do this, it's like a free channel in the UK. Um, so that's how I watch it. I mean, um, 
I mean, I've seen like bits of review matches that's been over on the YouTube and stuff. And I don't know, I think it's a little while to get. I think because all my main wrestling has always been WWE. Obviously, I've seen bits of TNA and WCW. Uh, but I think two things about YouTube, I, mean, I mentioned earlier about the post finishes and the way the commentators work, because they kind of do. There's not really like a heel on the face. Yeah, yeah. They kind of all do bits of play by play. It's mostly like mm-hmm. Excalibur, really, with it. Um, yeah, he he's like, like a very good, um, knowledgeable commentator. Yeah, he, he reminds me a lot of. It's funny you say that because uh, I was thinking there, like, on AW Dark. Uh, the team a lot is uh, Excalibur and Taz, and the, like, yeah. not quite to the same level, but there is a bit of the sort of like uh, Gorilla Heenan dynamic between them. Uh, not not in terms of like you know the like Heenan says something you know like completely out of pocket and like will you stop? But like they've got the right balance of being two guys who know what they're talking about and just having fun and having a laugh. Uh, yeah, I think mean, I mean, that's the main thing with, with Monster Nagin because uh, I don't know why, it's just you want a comedy team that know this shit and not like <clears throat> I can make you laugh and um, well, that's what I like about Monster Nagin is that um, I mean, WrestleMania is like my first ever WrestleMania, and that's obviously close to my heart. But one of the main reasons is not only like the, the really good matches to have. Except for the main I, I, I quite enjoy watching um, AEW Dark actually. It's like it's like I mean, obviously yeah. it's mostly like quite kind of short matches uh, where they'll have like one of their established AEW people up against you know like an independent wrestler, and they'll give the independent person like. You know, like a few bits of, like to show what they can do, kind of thing. But uh, yeah. not squashies mostly, uh, but also like there's been some like good matches on there as well. And like the guest commentators they have, like uh, obviously like Paul White's on it a bit. Uh, they've had Eddie Kingston commentating a few times, which is always an experience. Uh, uh, Ricky Starks as well, uh, who's someone I think is going to be a big star in the next couple of years. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I like with any company. I think there's things they could be doing better. I think they could be focusing on their women more because as it is, it's still like whether it's Rampage or uh, Dynamite, you're still generally only getting like one women's match per show uh, or. Yeah, or on the main roster, at least they're all there. There will generally be a, a same main roster, like out with like dark and elevation. There will generally only be one concurrent women's story going on on the main shows, and I think that's something they can do better. Yeah. But and that's not to say that the shows are bad; they're not far from it. But uh, you know, hopefully, it's something they'll address in time. Uh, but like that one negative that needs to be addressed aside, I think they're doing great right now. Uh, the shows generally don't like when you're watching them. You're there's always 
more often than not, like a sense of, oh, it's done already. Like you don't realize how quick the time passes watching them. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, um, when I watched Dynamite, it, it, it reminds me a lot, because I think I mentioned before in the podcast how like, the Attitude Era trials are like, so boisterous and really loud, and it's, uh, it's not going to be compared to what they are today. And I'm, I'm not sure, I'm, as I said before, I'm not, I'm credit prepared before the pandemic, obviously, because it was like that. Uh, but I'm not seeing what like when they sort of had it planned but last few months, but definitely Dynamite on the last it, it was mm-hmm. lively, those kind of girls, it's really okay. Uh, so, as, as I said before, I mean, they are managed, I think, I think with the women's division, definitely, because they've got some potential, like, like, threads, like, being with Jade Cargo, uh, I can't remember the rest oh, of Oh, yeah, it's smart Mark Sterling. Like, her man. Uh, yeah, so he's like, uh, we've got an inter- interesting gimmick, uh, he's right there, but he's just doing promos, going, oh, she's doing, like, all these promo shit, I'm, I'm like, that's great, but you should wrestle. Um, I mean, the only issue with the company itself is I do, I think because they've, lot, they've signed a lot of talent, especially when trying to fit everyone in. They might be spat. Yeah, and I think they might be spat. Yeah, the, I mean, one of my worries is like because cause obviously now they've got like Punk and Danielson. My yeah. worry for that is where does that leave Hangman Page when he comes back? Because I, I. He has to be the guy that beats Kenny, I think. Uh, like yes, hundred percent. I mean that. I mean, and obviously, like the plan originally was for that to happen all out. Uh, whereas he's taking time off to go and be a father, which is is great because, okay. like, obviously that's something real life that takes precedence over a wrestling storyline. Uh, yeah. but he, I think he needs to be the guy that beats Kenny. What would, what I'm maybe thinking is obviously they're, they're building up to like a rematch between Danielson and Kenny Omega, which, and that match they had yeah. was one of the best TV wrestling matches I've ever seen. Uh, like I said, like we were talking a little bit about it before we went live, and it was it didn't feel like thirty minutes, and it still felt like both men had a few gears left to go. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like what I would like to see is maybe if they do like you know Danielson versus Kenny, and maybe like Kenny cheats to win, you know, like the the elite get involved or whatever. And you know you'll maybe end up with like a big brawl afterwards. You know, you on Kenny's side you've got like obviously the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, uh, Brandon Cutler, Good Brothers, Michael Nakazawa. Uh, whereas like obvious the way they've been building it is like on the the sort of good guy side on that kind of feud. Uh, you've you've got like Christian, you've got uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus. So you can maybe have that like them all scrapping with each other in the ring and like maybe the guy that comes out to turn the tide is Adam Page that's what I would like to see uh, I hope they don't rush it and like give Danielson the belt 
No, I hope not, because I, I think it's too... I mean, I'm not going to get that. Yeah, oh, yeah, Danielson, like, I mean, he's, Danielson's one of my favourite wrestlers. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, but, like, he, throughout his career, he's been nothing short of excellent. And, like, any other time, I would say yes, but, one, he's so popular, he doesn't need the belt. Whereas the story that they've built between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, it needs to be Hangman that beats him. Yes, 100%. Um, I think, I think it was, Hangman was, because they started to imply that mm-hmm. he's alcoholic, and obviously Kenny Omega isn't. So, because I think there's a bit where, because every time you see him, he's got a drink in his hand. And, um, I think there's one time when you know they did the, mm. the Jericho cruise, uh, and I think Hammond Page came out and the graphic put came up and it said above it was <laughs> it wasn't a booze. Oh yeah, they've had a few different like funny uh, little things so, on there for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I thought why? Because uh, to me, the thing that's been going was like uh, like the it's like. He's kind of obviously he's not with, but he's kind of friends with the Dark Order. Then the other bit where I think it must be when he took time off to be barber, where he's like, look, look, I appreciate you had it awesome, but I don't want your help with this now. He gets beaten up, and there's a bit where I've got what's the name? Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Even yes, yeah, even no, even also they came to her. He was like, well, no, 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 he can also help. Let's go back, and that's obviously the start of them. Yeah, I mean, that's been fixed now. And uh, well, thankfully, because like Dark Order are really one of my favourite things on AEW. And, and it played out kind of the way I thought it would. Like, uh, I mean, I was telling you about what happened. Uh, but like, uh, we were talking about the, the big 16-person tag between the HFO and the Dark Order and Orange Cassidy. Where Uno tried to walk out, yeah. uh, you know, it's in Brody Lee's hometown, uh, and as he's walking out, uh, Anna J, Amanda Huber, uh, Brody Lee's wife, and negative one Brody's son come out. You know, little Brody smashes Uno with the papers, which is a familiar sight to anyone who's seen the Dark Order bits on being the elite, and tells him to get his ass back in there, which he does. And uh, Uno did an in-character tweet afterwards saying that basically, like. Like he was ashamed of, you know, what he let happen with the Dark Order. Like the whole thing was, he was trying to be a yeah. leader, uh, the level of Brody, and just realised that he couldn't, uh, not cut out for it, kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. but yeah, like I'm glad that that's that bit because I figured, you know, if the Dark Order stays together, if they don't split, the thing that turned that was either going to be. Uh, like Brody's kid or Hangman Page coming back. So, uh, but yeah, like they've. Uh, I can't say enough nice things about the Dark Order. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think I was worried when Brody passed away, but to find a way to, because they're all like really, really good characters, and so. Uh, so it's, so we've been all these like positive people because uh, I thought they were like kind of like a point of new leader in a way or like another person coming to say oh no I was like 
being groomed to be that successor by Golden either know about it or not. Um, so what we're saying like their name is not mm. what the gimmick is. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they, 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 this group of like really positive people just it just kind of came about naturally, really. Because um, yeah. Uh, and like Uno and Stu have both said this uh, in interviews and stuff. Like they were worried that, like before the Dark Order really started taking off, they were worried they were going to get released uh, because, like, uh, yeah. you know, like when they were playing it, like sort of like cult kind of thing. It's like a lot of things went wrong, and yeah, you know, like there was that incident with the uh, the fight in the ring where like one of their sort of minions was throwing punches at Dustin Rhodes that were very, very obviously not connecting. Uh, and like, yeah. by, according to the, uh, uh, Uno and Stu, it was like everything that could go wrong with that segment did go wrong, kind of thing. And yeah. Because the, uh, apparently the the creepers, the minions, whatever you want to call them, were just like, they were just trainees who weren't ready. Uh, like that's all it was but everything that could go wrong did go wrong and they were worried about how that was going to affect them going forward because like the Dark Order already hadn't been kind of picking up the way they'd hoped uh, so they ended up on like being the elite uh, they managed to convince uh, the AW hires up to let them have Alex Reynolds and John Silver who were just kind of getting used as jobbers really because they knew that from like working with them outside AEW, they knew how good they were. And it was like, yeah. so they ended up doing these like, Dark Order segments on being the elite, where it just, you know, it gave them, because obviously most of what happens on being the elite is played for laughs. And it just gave them all a chance to kind of like showcase their natural sort of personalities and sense of humour and stuff. Because most of, pretty much all of them are just naturally really funny people. And <laughs> uh, it, it, it's worked for them yeah, and it's great because, like, I mean, they're all hugely, hugely talented. They're, and again, deserve every bit of success that comes their way. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit behind on it, but hopefully, like, the there's clips on YouTube that are like just it's literally just like supercuts of all of the Dark Order segments from uh, being the late, and I, yeah. I strongly recommend watching them. Like just set aside like like an hour or two and just laugh yourself silly, basically. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Right. So, uh, so Adam, well, you can find me uh, rational context, which I only use intermittently now. Uh, Ginger Pimpernel on. Twitter, Ginger Pimpernel on Twitch, uh, where I stream pretty regularly, mostly Fire Pro Wrestling, uh, as well as a semi-regular Fire Pro series where we have actual independent wrestlers on to guest book a show. Uh, there are no set date for the next one yet, uh, because obviously wrestlers have real lives and actual bookings to take and stuff. But uh, the next guest will be Veda Scott. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Um, and for me, I'm at Lowdown Wrestling. Um, obviously, I shut down vlogs, keep behind the wrestling. Uh, so, just probably the podcast for now. So, uh, podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash Lowdown Wrestling. 
Um, so yeah, oh, thank I you for having me. Uh, very much, thank you for listening, and goodbye.